Hello, and welcome to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. Today we have a very special episode, at least for me, because we have talked about getting a good voice actor on the podcast for a while now, and lo and behold, we have one of the pillars of the voice acting community, Phil Lamar himself. <laughs> hey there. Quite uh, the intro. <laughs> hey, I'm a pillar. Yeah. I, I say what's without the, a doubt. What's, what's, what I'm supposed to talk being a pillar and all. <laughs> you just stand there and look pretty. Oh, exactly. man. It's crazy to have you on our show. Um, I'm also here, uh, your co-host, Doug Coleman. Uh, I'm right, a huge that. fan as well, <laughs> but I'm really excited to ask you some questions. But, like, Bren, you're the big fan. Let's start this off. Uh, I'm sure you want to get this ball rolling. Sure. I would go over your filmography for any of our fans who don't know it, but that would literally be the entire podcast. <laughs> so, uh, if you you absolutely do know who he is, you've heard him before, um, look him up and you'll be amazed because you are everywhere. Uh, I I have to ask though, are you 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 work a lot with DC Comics and a lot of like the Justice League, Young Justice, the video games, mm. and are you, are you considered like the official John Stewart like Green Lantern voice? No, no. Oh wow, I don't. Uh, yeah, because there was a uh, uh, Kevin Michael Richardson uh, oh, voice yeah. John Stewart in Young Justice. That's right. I was wondering about that because you were Aquaman in that. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. As well as a few other roles, I, I've said it before on the podcast. Young Justice is by far one of my favorite shows of all time. Oh, cool! Yeah, it's a really good show. I've gotten everyone I know since it got on Netflix to watch it at least like two or three times. <laughs> Once to enjoy it, another time with my commentary because I won't shut up about it. <laughs> but I was wondering about that. Have you ever like? Do they purposely keep you separate from voicing both Aquaman and John Stewart in like the same show or same game or same thing or? Any two characters in the DC world? Um, no, I mean, Warner Brothers tends to not have official voices or or even official actors. I mean, how many Batman have there been? Um, I mean, in my heart, one, but technically... Right. Yeah, they, they tend to leave it up to the producers. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think somebody like Disney or Marvel says... Our company has an overall vision, and we want to have, you know, like, there was one guy who was Mickey Mouse for 35 years. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like, oh, there's one person for preschool Mickey Mouse, one for, you know, animated shorts for the features. No, there is one Mickey Mouse, that's it. Um, Warner Brothers is different. At one point, I think there were three different uh, voices of Bugs Bunny at once. (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's one for the feature, one for Looney Tunes shorts, and another for a um, uh, cartoon, a TV cartoon that they were doing with Bugs. That's right. I mean, then again, they pulled the Looney Tunes property apart to so many different ideas. I mean, you were even in uh, Lunatics Unleashed, which was superhero Looney Tunes. Right, right. So, I'm yeah, I don't blame them for, you know, not wanting to pinhole one guy for 15 different projects. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is giving creators um, the freedom to do what they want, and part of it is if you pay, if it's one guy who becomes you know basically synonymous with the character, then you've got to pay him more. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that's kind of the way. Like, I it's hard. You, it would be hard to press me like to think of another Aquaman besides your voice. Like, it's kind of well, the one I go to. Well, you know what? I think part of that has to do with how good Young Justice was and how well it was written. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and the fact that I think they took a lot of that into injustice. Um, I mean, but before Young Justice, John DiMaggio's Aquaman from Brave and Bold was the one that everybody talked about because it was like big and funny, you know? Oh yeah, it was way over the top. But I'm, I've sorry, I have so many questions, so <laughs> I apologize if I seem flustered. No, no, no. But uh, with John, you're one of your more famous roles people would know you from is Hermes Conrad on Futurama. Right, right. And between Definitely. Tress McNeil, Billy West, John DiMaggio, you, Maurice LaMarche, like, I, I was thinking that might be like an improv troupe of a show because it's about <laughs> six or seven of you guys that make up hundreds of different characters. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and, and everybody in that cast is just so talented, you know, including, you know, Lauren Tom and Dave Herman. Like when we would get together to read the scripts, it was basically a show. People would like, you know, try to get into the room for the, for the read throughs of those Futurama scripts. Oh, you totally. Know, it was, you know, I can believe it because it's it wasn't even just it was funny. It was also incredibly intelligent because I think oh, yeah. a good half of the writing team, uh, writing staff has master's degrees in physics and science. And oh, wow. Yeah. It's a crazy. Couple, of, couple of doctorates. Yeah. Yeah. Computer science, all sorts of. Yeah. I think there's one like scientific principle named after uh, David X. Cohen or something, <laughs> something he discovered. I, I wouldn't doubt it. Those guys were all just brilliant. That's why when people ask, so did you guys ever, you know, ad-lib a lot on Futurama. I was like, we're not going to make up stuff that, <laughs> you know, Harvard PhDs like spent hours writing. Like, hey, that's that's nice that you guys wrote of that. How about this? <laughs> what about a fart joke right here? <laughs> it's probably not going to be better than what they came up with in that brain trust. <laughs> I, but with a show like that, I have to imagine, I've heard uh, plenty of different voice actors talk about how it's getting more practical to record people individually but when you can get everyone in the same room to record the voices is better. Like, was it always with Futurama? Did you always record together or did eventually yeah. go that way? Cause I feel like you have to be all in the same room for some of those. Yeah, no, anybody who says it's more practical to record separately is, is that's lying. Um, I mean, the only case I can think of where that's possibly true is the, some of the Disney shows where they wind up casting a lot of the kids who are on those Disney shows and they're not available, mm -hmm. you know, then I guess, okay, it's easier, you know, schedule-wise to just get everybody when they're available for an hour. But I find that the shows that are writer-driven, where the writers really care about, you know, the interactions of the characters, you know, either from a comedic standpoint or a dramatic standpoint, they want to hear their dialogue. You know, they want to hear how one line affects the, the reaction to it, you know, because it changes it. Yeah, absolutely. So those are the shows that tend to have group reads, you know, at the very least, and usually group records as well. Hmm. I can't imagine. Those must be, I mean, that must be the most fun of the job is being able to work with all your friends and build it after show after show. And Absolutely. Absolutely. And it makes the acting easier. You oh, know, sure. If you know what you're responding to, you know, it's, it's interesting because on uh, Metal Gear, Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the stuff that I had as Vamp, I recorded with Quentin Flynn as Raiden, you know, because our characters were so connected, you oh, know, right. had so much bounce off of each other. And, and also the people making, you know, those shows, I mean, that, that game understood, you know, that this is about these characters. This is about their interaction. There's drama here and we want it to be real. We want it to feel right, you know, not just, 
all right, you record all your lines, he'll record all his lines, and we'll try to match them up in editing. You know, it's not the same. Yeah. And then you also worked with him in uh, Metal Gear Rising because you were Kevin Washington in that. Yeah. And actually, we recorded uh, a lot of those together as well, which was really great because we were talking to each other, you know? Yeah, it was an actual dialogue and not just stock footage. Right, right. Oh, God. I... So I forgot how many video games you were in looking at this. You were in- uh, there are so many. In fact, one of my favorite franchises, Kingdom Hearts, you were in Kingdom Hearts 3D, Dream Drop Dis- Distance. It's one I actually didn't get around to playing. But that, what was it just like working on a project like that uh, in general? Well, that one, um, I was really focused because I was doing Phoebus mm-hmm. um, and yes. doing a Kevin Klein voice match. So I oh, was wow. Um, focus on trying to get it to sound like him than I was trying to figure out what the game was or, you know. And again, that one, that's not Metal Gear. That It's not that cinematic. Yeah. You know, you don't have as much uh, interaction. Um, but it was it's it was cool to be a part of it, definitely. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you're also part of one of my favorite franchises, which is the Infamous series, where you were John White. Right, right. Who was not as big a character at first as he became? Oh no, he became much bigger. I, I don't yeah. want to spoil it for anyone, but <laughs> exactly. you know what? It's been three, four. Like, <laughs> there, uh, there comes a. I, I cut off spoilers at six months. Six months. I think it's fair. I think we're we're easily spoiled, like spoiled and privileged with the internet having so much access to it. But yeah, it's uh, the well, first no, infamous no. was in two thousand nine. So right, it's exactly. been seven my, years. My thing is, if you care enough to be upset that someone is telling you a plot point, then you got six months to, to find it out. Yeah. If you haven't read it, watched it, or played it in six months, you don't care that much. Yeah, no. good point. That's true. But so you're John White, who ends up becoming the Beast, who is the big bad guy at the end of it. Yeah, which was so cool, because I had no idea. No, that caught me completely off guard. But that is... To date, one of my favorite games. I advocate for that as well. It is incredibly well written, well executed, and just I love them. Yeah. One question I had though. Uh, so you mentioned how you had to try to match another voice actor's voice. Like, how often does that occur in like your work that you find yourself needing to try to sound like somebody specific, or like what percentage would you say? And then what percentage is mainly just like you coming up with something on the fly? Oh, um. Well, I mean, for me specifically, because I, you know, do impressions, I do, I do more of it than most people, I think. And, well, do you remember a few years ago at the Oscars, Chris Rock was giving out the uh, animated thing? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, man, this is so great. You get, you know, you say three lines, they give you a million dollars. That's not actually true. No. They don't have a million dollars. Uh, supposedly, DreamWorks has a $50,000 cap. Which still ain't peanuts, but basically, when somebody wants a million dollars, they come to one of us yep. to do, to voice match them. Yeah. Or when Chris Rock isn't available for the video game of Madagascar, then they come to me. I see. Okay. Well, I think uh, I forget his first name, but Tom Hanks's brother is actually is the uh, official uh, uh, Woody voice right? match for um, for uh, Tom Hanks. Yeah, Jim Hanks. Yeah, that's so right. He, I think there was a. Uh, uh, da Vinci Code video game, I think, at one point. So he would have likely been done those, like any right film well, and, for that. And I believe that Mel Gibson's brother 
Don sounds remarkably like him. And I, I, cause I, I worked with him once and he sounded just like his brother. So it's, 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 you know, I guess a nice little, uh, family, uh, you know, thing to pass along. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I don't have to ask my brother for money. I'll just be his voice every once in a while. There you go. The family calls up and they're like, Tom? It's like, no, it's Jim. It's like, ah, close enough. It's like, well, maybe I can make some money off of this. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But you were also in uh, Star Wars Republic, uh, what was it? Uh, Knights of the Old Republic and and the Old Republic. Yes. The Old Republic. That's the one I was thinking of, the MMO. Because that that's a fully voice acted MMO and it's colossal. And I saw uh, Kari Walgreen do it uh, Reddit AMA recently, and she was saying that you guys are still doing voices for it. Like they still bring it back in every now and then because <laughs> new stuff will be written. Yeah, yeah. I mean that was that was for at least for me one of the first like super big you know full world um, things that I'd worked on, and I'd never worked that much on a single game. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there were so many characters, there was so much coverage. I mean, I think there are obviously MMO game, you know, like that, that have that breadth, but I don't think they have as much story going on as uh, the Old Republic did. Oh, I'm sure. It's a great game. Um, but with the video games I've heard recently, uh, well, recently, a few years ago, but there was like a bit of controversy with the industry of like the video game industry versus, well, not versus, but you know, they don't treat some of the voice actors as well as an animated film or an animated show or. Uh, oh yeah. Well, commercial. that's, that, that's actually still going on. We're mm-hmm. trying to negotiate a new contract with some of the video game companies and it's, it's weird. They just sort of don't get the fact that they are now a major entertainment industry. You know, it's like, yeah, cause before games, you know, there was Mario, Woo-hoo! you know, <laughs> that was it. That doesn't necessarily require, you know, professional level acting necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but these games have gotten more, you know, the technology has grown. The storytelling has grown. The emotional impact of these stories has grown so much that, you know, it went from being all non-union and, you know, maybe the guy down in rendering doing the voices, you know, to, no, we need actors who can bring this to life to match these, you know, amazing, you know, vistas and, you know, graphics that we're putting together. And they don't understand, like, you know, the TV and movie industries get that, like, if you want a pool of talent, you know, actors who can do what you need to do quickly and easily, they're available and not off working, you know, at Starbucks so they can get health insurance, you need to pay them. Yeah. You need to, you know, share in that wealth. You know, I mean, it's because it's just like the union is asking for, like, if a game is a huge hit, Kick us a little. Yeah. You know? That's not that much to ask for. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, you know, it's like, oh, every game that is made has to pay the actors, you know, 10 times more. It's not that. It's, look, you got to make it a billion dollars. You know? <laughs> like, you know how it is. Like, have you ever seen a billion dollars stacked up? Oh, my God. I can't <laughs> imagine. A thousand out of a billion? You don't even know it. Never see it. <laughs> but I've heard stories where... With shows, they give you the character Bible, where they tell you everything about the character and the relationship to the other characters and the uh, environment and all that. But with some games, they kind of hold back information on you and like kind of tell you only what you need per scene. Like, which, which, which also, which I don't think they get, is harder. Oh, it's terrible. Like, if you have 
five pages of lines and you have no context for them? Like the line is like, come on, we've got to go this way. Like as an actor, you have to make up in your head some kind of circumstance, context, who you're talking to, so that line doesn't make you sound like you're brain dead. Come on, we've got to go this way. You know, it's like, yeah. no, it's like, okay, am I talking to, you know, my partner? Am I talking to somebody who outranks me? Am I talking to somebody under me? Come on, we've got to go this way. Come on, we've got to go this way. You know, you've got, you need somebody who can make those choices, make them quick so that you can get all 900 lines recorded in the time you've got the studio for. You know, and they don't understand that bringing in, you know, just somebody off the street, you're not going to get that done in four hours. That's yeah. going to take you a week, and it's going to cost you more money. Yeah, I forget the exact game, but I've heard a story where they kind of just brought in a guy real quick to do a line. They didn't tell him the context. And in the final game, it is completely out of place where it's a big dramatic scene, and this guy sounds like he's lost in Target. Like, it sounds right. so bizarre. Well, and, and I mean, I, I'm not trying to make it sound like, you know, we're magicians or anything, but it is it's a skill. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the whole Destiny thing. Oh, yeah. You know, and the thing is, on Justice League, we had a lot of, you know, stunt casting. We had actors from movies and TV shows that the producers loved who they brought in, you know, and every once in a while, you'd see an actor who you knew was a fantastic actor. I'd seen this guy make me cry, and he gets in a room, and he's trying to read off of a script, and he sounds like English is his second language. Oh, geez. You know, because being, being able to memorize a script and wear a costume and act that way is a slightly different skill set than being able to pick up a script you've never seen before, not have any of the images in front of you, and bring that to life. And it's the same thing, you know, in video games, like uh, the Destiny thing. My my take on it, and I know nothing about it, mm-hmm. but they brought in, you know, Peter Dinklage, who is an amazing actor. But sometimes when you have a star, nobody wants to direct the star. Oh, yeah. But he's oh. an actor wants to be directed. So he comes in, he probably says the line, and they're like, oh my God, Peter Dinklage just said our line. <laughs> he's like, or is, that, is that good? It's like, yes, everything you say is amazing. And then they put the game out, and it was like, what is this? <laughs> but then there was also a very famous line from that of like, the moon wizard is attacking, and then people were excited for that, and then they took it out from the actual game. So when the game came out, people were disappointed it was gone. God. Oh God, well, there, there's nothing funnier to me than the promo process for games like oh. I, on dead island oh yeah do you guys remember before it, the first dead island came out they put out this amazing trailer it was all in reverse yeah oh yeah. whoa and it was so amazing and it got so much attention and people loved it so much and it totally misrepresented the game that we had put together yep <laughs> well that's like, my the, my character sam b mm-hmm. was like comic relief He's this big old dude cursing and talking about, hey, man, this damn zombie's trying to eat me. (laughs) I had to come back in and re-record most of my lines. They're like, people love the the trailer so much, we have to make the game darker. So all your funny stuff, we got to re-record. What? Oh, my God. (laughs) No idea. Isn't that hilarious? That is insane. But in funny, but like, I just can't imagine. Like, was it slightly annoying that you had to redo what you'd already done or did it not really bother you? I mean, that's the job. My job is to help the, the creator's vision come to life. 
It just so happens their vision changed. Changed. Okay. <laughs> I see. <laughs> like a couple of months before they were supposed to put it out. Um, yeah, no, I, that's, that's a weird thing. I mean, I've dealt with feature films where something like that happens, where they go into editing and then they have to like cut stuff together. Like, um, this is kind of a different movie now you know, <laughs> just because some performance didn't work or the script didn't work or something. But yeah, I've never had that happen in a, in a game before. I think one of the biggest examples I can think of is the movie Hancock with Will Smith. I think I forget exactly what happened, but about halfway through writing the script, they got new writers. So that's why the movie is really good for like the first hour and a half. And it takes a really hard turn, like really right. confusing. And it's because they got different writers about midway through. Well, I, I don't, I mean, my, my hunch on that one would be you got the script before you start shooting. Usually. Although, mm-hmm. although, you know what? Sometimes with great big stars and great big budgets, you're right. They may take a turn partway through shooting. I mean, because the thing is, most movies aren't shot in sequence. Yeah. You shoot, you know, where you've got the daylight. You've got where you've got, you know, it's like, all right, we've got the big building um, stunt and that's at the end of the movie. But this building is scheduled for demolition at the beginning of our shoot. So we're knocking down this building no matter what. You know, if you guys want to rewrite it, you've got to rewrite it with a building collapsing. Because <laughs> we've already shot it and we've already spent $2 million on it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's like uh, Deadpool. They wrote a big uh, gun like action f- scene with a bunch of explosions and then they lost some of the funding. So then they had to write around it, even though they are already shot or maybe not shot, but wrote the previous scene where he has all the guns. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's really interesting how stuff like that happens. And sometimes, you know, the those kind of restrictions force creativity. And sometimes they wind up like Hancock and just like make you think, where's the movie that I was watching before? You know, that's exactly what I was saying in a previous episode. It was probably like two weeks ago yeah. relative to this. But uh, a show we both enjoy a lot is an anime called FLCL. And like Samurai Jack, it aired originally, and then later is getting another season. Yep. Uh-oh. I'm nervous, but hopeful. <laughs> hopeful. But we're wondering if they're going to have a bigger budget this time, because before it was only six episodes, and they had to work with that, and it was a small team. So now we're not sure if it's a bigger team and if it's going to be way over the top now. Is it the same people? Uh, I believe so, yes. Uh, same studio. So hoping okay. for the best. Um. Uh, I do have this quick question while we have you. Uh, uh, what Do you consider yourself much of a gamer uh, these days, and do you play many games? Um, I'm as much of a gamer as an old guy can be. Because uh, <laughs> you know how it is. I mean, it's gotten to the point now where the gameplay is getting so, you know, it's, it's so much harder. I have to basically hire a 12-year-old to get to my character. Oh yeah, <laughs> most of the games. Um, but no, I, I like playing games. I mean, what about, I've got on my PlayStation. I've got Arkham. I've got um, uh, Shadow of Mordor. Nice. Uh, uh, I granted, I spend most of my time, especially during baseball season, playing MLB The Show. Oh, totally. Uh, there you go. If the Dodgers lose a game, then I down, I put together the exact same uh, scenario lineup. Yeah. And then play it until they win. <laughs> oh, that's so that's awesome. I know how that is, but I do it with uh Madden. But what ah. what's your opinion with uh VR? Did you ever get a chance to like did any of the projects you work on involve VR? Did you ever get that experience? No, not yet. Oh yeah, it's fucking crazy, dude. Go try it sometime when you get a chance. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, dude, I I worry cuz I you know, I get nauseous if a movie has like shaky ca- camera work, like Echo to Earth. 
I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I gotta go. Yeah. Oh, then yeah. <laughs> I worry whether the VR will mess with my inner ear or not, or if it'll be a whole world experience and you know I'll be fine. Yeah. I think we have to give it some time. Like the next couple of generations, it's going to be a definitive factor of whether VR is going to be bearable or not. Mm-hmm. Right. It's definitely at the best it's ever been. But I know for me, I personally have depth perception issues where I have almost zero depth perception. Oh. So VR is really tricky for me. It, like, cause I'm, what about, what about 3d? Does 3d work for you? I, I never got the appeal of 3d. I, I, can see stuff people ask me and they're like oh do you have no depth perception is it like south park where everyone's like cardboard cutouts i'm like no it's not that bad that would be a very weird condition i have such a similar thing where i'm like partially colorblind so when if you're in a group of people like there's always that person that's like oh what color is my shirt what color is this yeah they always ask that leads me to this question as a like a pillar in voice acting like is it annoying when you get like requests to be like oh can you do this voice like i don't know Put yeah. on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Im- I can't imagine. That's why that we will not do it. That's what. Yeah, I'm not asking to do it. I was just curious. <laughs> what it must just get uh, to. And how do you maintain all of those voices in your head? I can't. That's why it's annoying. Because a lot of times <laughs> someone will ask. I mean, the the big ones I get asked a lot, and you know, you're you've got it like her, like Hermes Conrad. I know that voice. You're backwards and forward. I did this character for ten years. There you go. <laughs> but if if you were to ask me to do like John from Infamous, I'm like. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, fair. You better pull up a clip, yeah. and and you feel bad, you know, on those times when somebody comes up with something like way out of left field, and that's obviously their favorite character. I'm like, oh man, dude, I don't want to get it wrong, you mm-hmm. know? Oh, of course, yeah. I can't imagine the pressure involved, and yeah, that must make it a kind of a a not pleasant situation. <laughs> well, and also, I mean, part of it is I'm not the writer. I mean, to me, the voice actor is at best a third of the character you love without the visual and without the, the writing behind it. Neither one of those three things work by themselves. And so when somebody says, Hey, do the voice, like, well, I can do the voice, but I need to be able to do the line. So if if it's something that, you know, like, you know, I've played Shadow of Mordor. I know what Ratbag might say. And Ratbag thinks you smell pretty bad too. (laughs) (laughs) Like there are certain characters that I know well enough to improvise, but then, you know, there are others, and you're like, man, I don't want to undermine the the work I've already done, you know? Mm-hmm. You don't want to do a disservice to the writers and to exactly. the designers. Or to, or to the fan of it. It's like, dude, the last thing you want is like, you know, it's like seeing the, the, the girl who you had on a poster when you were 14, and like, all of a sudden, she's let her, you know, like, oh, that's not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how I remember it. Uh-huh. Right. But for us, we do a and d podcast, and even the little voices we do on that, like week to week, we're like, oh, I don't know what I did last time. Like, right. Yeah. It's one voice versus the hundreds you do. Definitely. Right. And yeah. And, yeah. But I mean, generally speaking, when uh, if I'm working on a game and I have to come back in, they really have to play like what I recorded before. Partially, mm-hmm. you know, to, as a reminder and partially to make sure it's coming from the same place. Because like, you know, like when you guys are doing your D&D thing. It's, you're coming up with it on the spot to a certain extent, you know, it's like, and it's, so when you're coming at it from a different point in time, you're going to come up with something different. Exactly. (laughs) Like, oh, okay. So you have to try to get back to the same, you know, mindset you were in that first time so that it matches, you know? That makes perfect sense. Um, Well, Kim, we give you the opportunity to do some plugs quick before we wrap this episode up. We can't thank you enough for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, well, gosh, do I have anything to plug? Um, well, social media-wise, um, I'm 
pretty much always on Twitter, um, at Phil Lamar. It's all one word, uh, but you wind up with two L's in the middle and two R's on the end. Um, and what am I working on? Uh, doing uh, that, we, that I can talk about. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say. say. <laughs> <laughs> we know Samurai Jack's coming back, but. Yes, yeah. Samurai Jack, uh, we're uh, doing new episodes of that. Um, oh, it's going to be so good. And that I can talk about. Uh, I can talk about the fact that we're doing it. That's yeah, it. That's um, right. <laughs> um, did a few episodes of uh, the HBO show Veep. Uh, mm mm-hmm. And um, doing a new show for Disney called The Lion Guard. Um, yeah. And uh, what else? Oh, and uh, doing some work um, with uh, DC Superhero Girls, as well as the Batman Unlimited uh, series. Um, and uh, also doing, I'm, I'm sort of double dipping these days, also working on uh, the Marvel's Avengers series and uh, a little bit of uh, the Ultimate Spider-Man series as well. Huh, you Both double sides. dipping? Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> so salacious. It's that they happen at the same time. Usually, <laughs> yeah. like, I was doing, you know, the DC stuff all at once, mm. and then some Marvel stuff, and then, like, it sort of went in waves before. But now, hey, they, n- neither of those trains ever seems to stop these days. Uh, God bless them, because I eat it up. Seriously, man, you make such amazing content. We can't thank you enough for joining us on our show. Uh, Bren, let's give your Twitter handle. Uh, sure. On Twitter, I'm ABTS Brendan. And if you like our show, listener, give us a like or follow on Facebook and Twitter at ABT Silence. Thank you again so much, though, Phil. I know, personally, I would keep you here all day if I had the opportunity. <laughs> Brendan, Doug, thank you guys so much for having me, man. Of course. Uh, thanks for being on. At any time you feel like just talking about literally whatever, <laughs> awesome. feel free to hit us up. <laughs> all right. See you guys next week. Bye. Hey, take care.